You are listening to Mind Over Myth, a podcast about creativity. Hello and welcome to Mind Over Myth, a new podcast about creativity. Uh, my name is Erica Bramham and I will be your host for this series of podcasts. And the grand plan is to run them for the whole year, the whole of, the whole of this year, so we'll see how I go sticking to that plan. And um, I'm going to hopefully release weekly episodes. So here you are, episode one of Mind Over Myth. This is the very first episode of this podcast. And uh, I'm just going to be talking, interviewing myself basically, talking to myself uh, and talking to you while talking to myself. But all future episodes um, will feature conversations with some really fantastic creative people. So I've got uh, writers, artists musicians, um, people who work kind of in creative fields, but perhaps not traditional creative fields, not what you would normally think of as, you know, like a, a creative job. So I'm really excited to be talking to them about their work and some of the issues that they face in their own creative lives. So I thought I would start a little bit um, talking about who I am and kind of some of my thoughts about creativity and some of the ideas that I'm really interested in exploring as this podcast progresses. So I am a musician from Melbourne, Australia. That's probably the best label for what I do because everything I do now seems to revolve around music somehow. And I commenced a project called The Song Chain Project at the beginning of January this year where I'm writing a song a day for the entire year. I think today I'm up to 36. I've written 36 songs um, as I record this today, which seems like a huge number. But when I think I still have like 330 or 28, some 328 to go, that's it's quite daunting. But um, the process has really started to illuminate so many things um, about creativity and about my own creative practice and just about, I guess, creative practice in general and. One of the things that I am really interested in is unpacking some of the myths about creativity. So that brings me to the name of the podcast, Mind Over Myth. And I chose this name because I have a very strong belief that creativity is not something that we're born with. It's not some, some kind of like magical talent that only certain people are born with and other people didn't get any. I think maybe some people have a little bit more um, aptitude. I would say to be more creative but generally we are all very creative people I mean we engage in creative thinking every day even if we don't think of it that way even when you're you know you're cooking or you're cleaning your house there's there's plenty of creativity involved in that whether you're gonna shove something in a corner or if you're actually gonna sit down and sort through it but anyway let's not talk about cleaning my house so there are a lot of myths that surround creativity and I thought maybe I would talk a little bit about my experience of creativity when I was younger. So I've always been involved in the arts and in music. Um, I've always felt myself a very creative person. I've always liked making things and drawing and writing and just doing things that people would generally consider creative things. But um, I took quite a long time in my life before I 
felt comfortable enough, I guess, to sort of decide that it was what I wanted to do full time and even maybe just have the courage to the courage to give it a go and and start doing it um, in more of a professional sense rather than just something to pass my time on the weekends. So I used to play um, under the stage name Erica Ordinary. I think there's still some remnants of myself on the internet if you really feel like going back that far into my musical history. And I went through a period where I was very, very productive. I was writing lots of music and playing lots of gigs. And then I hit a point where I had just massive writer's block. Just It was just nothing was coming out. And I got quite upset and angry and frustrated by it. And I kind of ended up just giving up, really. I gave up, um, gave up playing music for... I probably didn't pick up my guitar for maybe two or three years and I was still doing other creative things and maybe still writing and still engaging in things creatively but I just couldn't get any music out I couldn't I, I don't know it was it was when you stuff when you're really in the middle of one of these kind of episodes of writer's block sometimes it's just so hard to pull yourself out of it and I have realised now that the real thing that was um, stopping me from, from I guess, getting out of the this kind of period of, of writer's block was that I didn't have any tools to get myself out out of that out of that space. Um, I'd always felt like songwriting came really easily to me, just writing in general. I didn't have to work very hard. I kind of was walking down the street, and an idea would come, and I would just have to sit down and write a song about it. And it also kind of, songwriting for me was a very personal outlet, so I tended to use my songs as, a, I guess, a confessional vehicle to really express things that I was feeling or talk about situations that I'd been through or in some cases even like try and tell people, you know, ex, ex-boyfriends how I, how I felt about them, how they'd upset me when they broke up with me. That was kind of my, my thing back then. Um, and one of the things that really, I guess, started this period of writer's block was that I felt like I didn't have any kind of personal experience to write about. I was probably in kind of a happy, fulfilled relationship and generally enjoying a lot of areas in my life. And so I didn't feel that need to express myself through through music and through writing. So I just didn't. And then I had relied so much on that kind of idea of like the divine inspiration that it just hits you like a lightning bolt and then you you can't you know you just have to go and 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 get it down to paper whatever you're thinking at that moment and I had no idea how to work in any other way that was the only way I had been taught to work because that was the kind of I guess that was the view that I had I had been given of creative work I realize now after having done a music degree and really I guess just understanding how both my creative like artistry works and and also just um, a little bit more about music I now have a lot more tools to work through when I do feel a little bit creatively blocked I have got um, a lot of methods that I go to to get me out of that space but um, I think probably one of the biggest um, turning points came when I had 
a class with a really fantastic musician named Chris Hale who gave a lecture on, I guess, this pretty much this exact topic, so the myths of creativity. So I think as a, just generally, when you ask people about creativity and inspiration, a lot of people will just say, oh, you know, I don't know where it comes from. It just like I, my experience of walking down the street and suddenly you have an idea and you just have to get it out. But there is a lot more to the story than that. And perhaps there are some people who are more open to these kinds of creative insights. And even some people at you know, different times of their lives are more open at, at one time of their life than other times. So for me, I was very open to them when I was feeling perhaps a little bit restless and maybe unsatisfied. And then once I kind of felt, felt sort of happy and satisfied in my life, then I had to work much harder to feel creatively inspired. So this idea of the inspiration that just comes out of nowhere, the thing for me that I have realised is that inspiration doesn't come out of nowhere and while it may seem like it comes out of nowhere it is actually the kind of product of your experiences and your thoughts and your work and even just a general immersion in your craft so it's kind of like the saying that the harder you work the luckier you get it's kind of a similar thing with creativity and inspiration the harder you work the more inspired you are um, that has definitely been my experience of creativity and inspiration. And I really, really want to give other people the same, the same experience of creativity and inspiration because I think creativity in the world is generally quite invisible. Um, as artists, we really like to hide the, hide the work of our, you know, the working side of what we do and just present the product. And there is definitely that kind of stereotype of either the, the kind of tortured artist or the tortured genius who is, you know, coming out with these with these groundbreaking works just from seemingly nowhere. But what is not shown is probably the hours of experimentation they did in their studio and all of the mistakes that they made and all of the just, you know, the research that went into their process, the very systematic stuff that they did to then get to the point where they're releasing something that seems like it was a brainwave out of nowhere and I think if more people understood that this is how creativity worked then more people would feel creative and feel that they were entitled to be working creatively or call themselves a creative person um, so that is it's kind of my general my general sort of desire is to is to spread this message and I think the more creative people we have in the world the better the better place the world will be to live in so I might talk a little bit about my own process, seeing as I'm talking about myself. I am, I guess, primarily a songwriter. That's what the thing that I would consider myself the most interested in calling myself. I've got, I can kind of call myself a vocalist or a, a multi-instrumentalist because I play a few instruments, but I just really like songwriting and I like writing and I like singing the songs that I write because I find that um, when you perform a song, it's so much more kind of, I guess, immediate and accessible and the music and the performance element adds a lot of, a lot into the, the text of the song um, compared to if you were just reciting a poem or, you know, reading out some prose from a book. There's all of this other stuff that goes in there to 
really, I guess, just communicate some kind of message or a feeling or an idea. Um, so that's that's me. I am a songwriter. And I always thought that I was pretty good at writing lyrics, which is why it was so hard when I went through this this period of, like, of blocked upness, creative blocked, creative blockedness. I don't even know if that's a word. Oh, oh. Um, when I went through this period of, of being creatively blocked, it was kind of like, no, I was, I was good at it. I, I, I'm really good at writing lyrics. Why can't I do it? And I had never really... I didn't have any resources. I never any read any books on songwriting. I just listened to musicians that I liked and tried to to kind of I guess emulate you know some of the things that I liked in their in their writing. And one of the things that musicians do a lot is that they like to talk about how untrained they are. So as if it's somehow a um like a a kind of badge of honor that you've never had a singing lesson in your life or you've never learned music theory, but after having done this um, this music degree, I can absolutely say that knowledge is power, and the more knowledge you can um, you can equip yourself with, the better you're going to be at whatever it is you're trying to do. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily find a visual artist saying that, like, oh no, I'm completely untrained. I just, you know, I just have this. This is just what happens when I put my pen to paper there's this kind of a bit more openness about saying no I you know I went to I went to art school or I, I studied you know I'm taking life drawing classes or I'm working you know working on like with different mediums and I'm, ex I'm building my skills working with watercolors or whatever but yeah there's this kind of weird badge of honor the untrained musician and I think it it really I know a lot of musicians who are very skeptical about learning because they feel like they feel like a teacher or having having lessons will somehow destroy whatever natural natural talent they have or their kind of natural sounds. So if they have lessons with a teacher, they're going to sound like the teacher or they're not going to sound like themselves. But I think if you have if you have a good teacher who is willing to develop your your artistry, then all that's going to happen is you're going to become better at what you do and what is special about what you do. That is what I believe. Maybe maybe other people have, have different um, opinions on that, of the untrained musician. But for me, having the knowledge was a huge step forward in getting over all of these blocks that had been, have been stopping me from creating. So um, having some music theory knowledge helped um, break me out of some of the um, habits that I, that I had fallen into in terms of composition. And, you know, I only had a certain very small set of chords to work with and so even though most pop songs are written with the same small set of chords kind of if your um if your ideas i guess are more complicated than what you can express with those with those four chords then you're just you're just going to feel very um dissatisfied and the creative process is not going to be fun it's going to feel like there is kind of a you know a hole that you've got a big gap in your knowledge and you just can't um, you can't get yourself over that void to create this you know get the vision in your head out onto your instrument or onto you know paper. So the first thing um, that helped me was this kind of knowledge. So having this knowledge about music, and then I started to do a lot of reading and I stumbled across a songwriting teacher named Pat Patterson and his books 
um, he's got two books that I have. One is called Songwriting Without Boundaries and the other one's called Writing Better Lyrics. And both of them just opened up these. It was it was kind of like someone had given me the magic key to the, the door of like endless songwriting ideas when I read his books. Um, and I really wish that I'd known about them sooner, that I hadn't been so trapped in this idea that, that I was just good at songwriting and I didn't need to, I didn't need to study, I didn't need to get better because I was clearly not very good at songwriting. I was, I had, was good at expressing certain things that I was feeling, but I wasn't good at the discipline of writing. And so I think that brings me to a good point about discipline. So this project that I'm doing, writing a song a day for the whole year is absolutely about discipline. So I have daily deadline. I have to have written something and recorded it and posted it online before I go to sleep that night. I should try and do it before midnight, but that's just not really happening right now. So just before I go to sleep is my deadline. And in order to meet that deadline, there has to be rigor in my process. And I have to have a way of getting some piece of music out before the end of the day. If there's no, I've, I've said I'm doing this project. I said I'm, I'm writing a song every single day, so I have to do it. I have to find a way of doing it. So one of the things um, that I did with the project was that I gave myself a starting point. And the reason the project's called the Song Chain Project is because each new day's work starts with something from the previous day. I find that I am quite a good procrastinator. <laughs> Um, by good, I mean, I'm, you know, terrible. I just procrastinate like crazy, but often it's because I don't know where to start. And the thing that comes with knowledge is more, um, possibilities. So if you only have your four chords to work with, then you're kind of a bit lucky because you, that's all you've got. You have to find a way of, of making those four chords work. But once you've gone to jazz school like I did there's hundreds, there's so many chords you could choose anything where are you going to start what what bass note are you going to start with what's the what's the, you know the quality of the chord where am I going to start and that's kind of stressful when you if you're faced with this blank page and you, you've got all of these possibilities and you're really you know thinking oh god I'd like it's got to be good I have to I have to start with something that's gonna that's gonna like be good um so what I'm doing is I'm taking something from the previous day's song and I'm not particularly rigorous about what I take. I just kind of take something that I think is going to be an interesting starting place. Um, sometimes it's a melodic idea. Sometimes it's a rhythmic idea. Sometimes it is a thematic idea from the, um, from the previous day's lyrics or text. Um, or kind of like a more abstract idea that came up in the, in the previous day's, day's work. So that is giving me a, a place to start. And once I have that place to start, um, I have a few quite rigorous techniques that I'm, that I'm using with that material. So some of them involve what's called serial composition. So in, um, this is kind of getting a little bit musically nerdy, so I'm not going to go too deep into it because I know that I'll have people listening who are not musicians. But basically you assign pitches or rhythms with a number value and then you can kind of work, like I guess, mathematically to, to come up with different number sets and then you know assign them back to their musical value and then suddenly you've got a melody or a rhythm that came out of came out of like I guess just pure work you didn't have to use any imagination in coming up with this little this little idea and then you can use kind of I guess similar sort of tools like you know reversing the reversing things or 
so playing things backwards or reversing the direction of the of the melody if you've got a, a melody going up you change it going down or um, expanding and contracting your rhythms to so you've suddenly got all of this material to work with and you haven't really invested any of your emotional energy in it because that's the big thing that I'm finding with this project um, that is making composition difficult is being too emotionally invested in the work and of course you have to be emotionally invested in your art otherwise I mean that's that's kind of the reason that we that we make art because we want to express something but there are kind of levels of good and bad emotional investment so for example bad emotional investment is that what I said before is like you want to start with something and it's got to be good whatever I start with has to be good um you immediately set yourself up for potential failure and if you if you're thinking that oh maybe I'll fail maybe I won't be good then how are you going to work from that headspace so if you um, can remove that kind of that kind of emotion from your from the process and perhaps think okay so the emotion that I, I really would like to express in this piece is an emotion of or a feeling of distance which was one of the recent um, recent pieces that I did that just comes to mind that was where I started with and suddenly I'm putting some of myself into the work but I am not um, I'm not trying to put my judgment into the work that's I think that's the big thing is that you're not putting your judge you're keeping your judgment out of the work for as long as possible so with a lot of these composition games um, that I play that's the whole purpose of them is to keep my personal judgment out I mean there is some judgment you kind of you end up with a little a little melodic set and maybe it sounds weird and maybe you say oh I don't I don't know if I, I like that that note on the end but then you change it to something else and and you like that and so maybe that's maybe that is a bit of judgment but I like to think of it more as editing rather than you know editing or, or still experimenting and there are ways of like you can still feel quite judgmental in that process you can be like oh I hate this how the hell am I going to work with this it's like sounds weird it sounds it's, no one would want to listen to a song with this melody but you can kind of I mean if you decide what sounds weird that one note at the end sounds weird then you can bring your systematic process back in there and say okay I'm going to try recording the melody with that other note changed to every other possible note that it could be and decide which one I like best and then that's kind of again you've taken your personal judgment out of the of the process and once you've done all your little recordings you can listen back to them and then you can decide that's when your judgment can come back in and for me I find this is a much healthier way to work and I'm absolutely not perfect I my days are still constantly filled with personal judgments and kind of negative self-talk and wondering if things are going to be good enough and feeling like the idea that I started with is just not not going to produce anything that anyone would want to listen to or anything that you know I would feel proud to to um, put my name to but the project is about learning to manage those feelings and learning to I guess just accept the work for what it is when it comes out rather than rather than trying to place any kind of judgment on it at all so i think by the end of the project i'd love it if i were at a point where i could just feel satisfied that i had created something and without any kind of personal judgment attached to that thing at all 
So I've talked a little bit about the musical side, part of my rigorous musical process, but I'm also going to talk about my um, lyrical process because I know that there are potentially some writers who might be interested in listening to this podcast who don't write music, but they write poetry or, you know, fiction or, or you know, blog, bloggers who are interested in finding ideas for their writing. So I find the lyrics possibly easier. Um, I just feel that it comes a little bit more naturally than the music does. But there's also the, um, I guess, the, the challenge that when you feel like something comes naturally, you don't um, put in the work when you need to. So I've developed quite a lot of tools for myself that really help with my lyric writing. One of them um, comes from Pat Patterson, who I mentioned earlier. So he has um, a technique he calls sense-bound object writing, which is where you take a prompt of some kind. So for example, I don't know, cafe or, or coffee cup and you set a timer and then you write focusing on your senses so the sight sound touch taste smell and then these two other ones called body in motion so you focus on that for the time that the timer is the timer is going and you just write free writing stop when the timer goes off and the idea is that the you know you're kind of associating things in your mind with um with whatever that prompt is and it so it's immediately more effective than if you sat down with a blank page and said, well, I'm going to write a song and you've got nothing to write about unless you were like me, I used to be. I used to be like, oh, I have to write a song about this experience I've just had, which is experiences are finite, but these kinds of object writing exercises are infinite. You can take any prompt you like and you can sit down and write about it and there brings up all sorts of interesting ideas which take your brain in all sorts of kind of crazy directions and and exciting directions I've written songs about things that I never thought I'd, I'd write a song about it's just because that's where it came up out of these sorts of writing exercises so that's one thing that I do a lot these um, these sense-based writing exercises and I think the other key to them is the sensory part so you are really invoking your senses and you are focusing on giving the audience like a, a sense of the a sense of the place and the time and the the feelings and feelings in your body and the, you're kind of putting the audience in the scene rather than um, the kind of introspective writing where you are I guess you know psychoanalyzing and talking about talking about feelings or what you're thinking or what um, which is generally less less interesting to read if you if you kind of giving someone this sort of really rich sensory experience through your writing then it's so much more engaging i mean that Pat patterson talks so much about this in his books and i would really recommend interested in writing um either songs or just general writing of prose and poetry to check him out because he's got a wealth of information in both his books and then i think there's an online course that you can do so some of the other things I do, I find that the time for writing is sometimes not enough. So I play little word games. So I may take, um, I may draw a mind map for my theme and then take words that I like, just interesting words from that mind map and try and work out ways that I can join them together into a piece of prose. So you might end up with completely randomly unrelated words and you have to find a way of joining them together, which maybe that doesn't become a song, but it gets your brain thinking in kind of interesting and creative ways. Another thing that I like to do is taking one of my timed writing exercises and then 
perhaps picking out every tenth word of that exercise or every fifth word, whatever I, whatever number I feel like choosing, and then writing them all down and trying to either turn them into a piece of prose with minimal extra information, which, you know, you can get some really kind of interesting, cool results. Or, you know, taking like word pairs and then putting adjectives and nouns together. I don't know, there's just so many, so many word games you can play. And I think this is kind of comes down to the, I guess the key thing that I, that I feel about creativity is that the more you work, the harder you work, the luckier you get, or the harder you work, the more creative you get. So if I can sit down and do these sorts of exercises for half an hour or an hour, I am almost always, I have um, overcome any kind of like any blocks that I was feeling or any, even those feelings of like, I just couldn't be bothered getting started working that day. It's just fun and it, it gets you into the swing of things and then suddenly you're really enjoying really enjoying working and really enjoying just the kind of crazy places that these ideas can take you. So that's a little bit about my process. Um, I don't know if I have very much else to say for this episode of this podcast, but what I will say is that you have, if you have any questions for me or if you have kind of any questions that you, that you would like um, me to discuss with one of my guests, please send me an email. Um, I will put my contact details and my website and stuff on the description of the podcast so you can get in touch. And yeah, I'd really love to hear all of your thoughts on any of the issues that I'm kind of interested in discussing through this podcast and any questions you might have about my process. Really happy to answer them because I think that creativity should be for everyone. It should not be for the elite few that happen to have been told when they were when they were children that they were creative and that they were you know good at creative things because everybody is creative and everybody can be good at creative things and I think everybody needs the permission to be good and to be good at something creative and have you know have that experience of creating something themselves that didn't exist in the world before they thought it up so thank you for listening to Mind Over Myth and please subscribe on iTunes or your podcast what are they called? Podcatcher of choice. Next week I will be here with a guest, very special guest. So it's going to be great. Looking forward to having you along my journey. You have been listening to Mind Over Myth, hosted and produced by Erica Bramham. Our theme music is Two Acorns from the album Twelve Moons. It was composed and performed by Erica Bramham and features Nathan Liao on piano, Adam Schmiegel on bass and Justin Olsen on drums.